Anyway, great to be with you. Thanks for showing up. Wouldn't be the same without you. And uh, you have my respect for foregoing the World Cup to be here and listen to me. Uh, actually, you're not here to listen to me. I know you're here to listen to God, and that's, uh, that's always better than the World Cup. But if you feel compelled to consult your cell phone, uh, I will not draw attention to you. I will not point you out, so relax. It'll be okay. All right. I was given permission to speak briefly about uh, the ministry, so I will take advantage of that permission. I just want to mention a, a few things very quickly. Uh, as you may know, we have a, a significant effort going on in the Arab world, and there is a, a, a quite a sizable team in Worthing, England, and they report to me fairly regularly, as a matter of fact. Um, a lady named Kathy d does a, a feature on Hope Stream Radio, and recently she was telling me about a prayer time. They always pray for the people that they're working with individually uh, on the various fields. And she doesn't tell me specifics, because, you know, for security reasons and privacy reasons, but she was telling me that um, a couple of names had come forward uh, for, for prayer, and both of these people were in a particularly conservative Islamic country where it was difficult for the gospel to be presented and for people to hear the, the truth about Jesus. And over the course of a few weeks, they were, uh, they were talking about this, these two individuals from this country, of which I don't know, it might have been Saudi Arabia or some similar country. <coughs> Excuse me, and um, they, they were they were kind of marking the progress, and these people had come finally to the point where each of them had decided to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, and that was great. But the challenge was how would their families respond? And for I know that several of you have had experience living in the Middle East, uh, and there's there's huge family pressure. Uh, strong Islamic uh, forces within the family trying to keep people on the straight and narrow. That would be the Islamic straight and narrow. And so both of these people had asked for prayer as they uh, got to the point where they were going to tell their spouse and their children that they had come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so the, the group in, in Worthing had been praying to this end, that God would give them the courage, that he would soften the heart of the family members who would hear this, and that um, there would not be any very negative repercussions from the fact that these folk had come to faith in Jesus. It turned out, and this is the lovely part of the story, it turned out that it was a husband and wife had been independently seeking counsel and seeking to know Jesus. And they had, they had one of those awkward conversations, which, which uh, maybe if you're married, you know about this. You say, I have something I, I need to talk to you about. And, and your spouse says, no, 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 before you say that, I have something I need to talk to you about. You know, it's kind of this back and forth. No, you go first. No, I'll go first. That kind of stuff. And they realized that both had accepted Jesus. And so that happens very, very rarely. Uh, there's a lot of isolation in the Arab world when people come to Christ, uh, but that was a particularly lovely story, and I just wanted to share that because I found that encouraging. Uh, I also want to mention that uh, tomorrow, 
We're starting one of our new staff people. His name's Stephen March. He will be taking over uh, Hope Stream Radio over the next uh, few weeks and months. And so you might pray for Stephen. And uh, it's going to be different for us uh, to have uh, a little more personnel around. A little more personality as well, I should say. Uh, <laughs> somebody to help carry the, the load. We're looking forward to that. So pray for Stephen as he comes and joins us. It will be a change for him. He's worked in, uh, in secular industry for all of his career, and now suddenly he finds himself in a ministry spot, which is a little different. So pray for him. Bobby Halleck, whom you met apparently about a month ago, uh, he will be joining us after Labor Day. So uh, you could keep him in mind too. And, and again, let me just remind you that uh, we do Hope Stream Radio for you. And it's a great resource. Uh, you will hear stories like the one I just told you. Um, if you, if you listen, uh, every day we have some kind of a missions report uh, along with lots of encouraging information. So listen to Hope Stream Radio. All right. And if you need to download the app right now, you could also check the World Cup score. Uh, you could, yeah, this is your excuse now. Whip out your phone, download the app, and uh, everybody will think that you're just doing what the preacher told you to do. And, and you get points for that, right? Uh, always get points for doing what the preacher said to do. All right, let us get into this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here. We pray that we would hear your voice. We pray that you would, you would speak to us. Lord, all of us need to hear from you in one way or another. Some of us need to be encouraged. Some of us need to be poked just a little bit. We become a bit complacent. Some of us need to be comforted. Father, I pray that as we look into your word that you will speak to each one of us wherever our need might be and that we would find ourselves in a position of being able to respond. We want to hear from you. We need to hear from you. And so we give you our attention. In Jesus' name, amen. So I came up with this title uh, for my message this morning, uh, Safe or Saved? Safe or Saved? Because it occurred to me, that there is a distinct difference between those words and how we use them. And sometimes within Christian circles, we get things a little mixed up. We don't always pay careful attention to things. Now, before I go any further, I need to tell you that if you're not listening carefully, you may mishear me, and you will go home, and you will be very upset that Ron Hughes is a heretic. And he doesn't believe doctrines that you have held precious. All right, so you, I, I want to clarify this. So two things. First of all, there is nothing you can do to save yourself, spiritually speaking. Please hear me and register the fact that Ron Hughes believes that there is nothing we can do to either save ourselves or to pay back God for saving us. All right, first thing, because you might be confused later. The, uh, <coughs> excuse me. The other thing that you might think you heard, but you would have heard wrong if you hear me say this, is that 
everyone who is saved during their earthly human life will be saved eternally. No question about that. You're not going to slip out of your father's hand and find yourself in the wrong place for eternity. Okay? So I just wanted to make sure that you understand where I'm coming from. Because what I want to talk about this morning is that it's actually a matter of nuance. It's, it's careful thinking because we get careless in thinking sometimes. And so I'm going to be drawing your attention to some things that maybe you haven't thought about lately. So safe. What's safe? Safe is an adjective. You all knew that because you're English scholars. Um, it means basically free from the liability of harm or danger or injury or risk. That is what safe is. And so in everyday language, we talk about a safe place. This is a safe place. Uh, it's safe for a number of reasons. It seems to be fairly well constructed, not likely to fall down on us or catch fire while we're here, so it's a safe place. You may have a friend who's a safe friend. You all look like safe people to me. You don't look like you're likely to hurt me, so I consider you to be safe people. Uh, we all arrived in our cars safe and sound. We use safe in that sense. And uh, we also use safe in the sense of an estimate or a guess, or for those of you who bet, I hope there aren't a whole lot of you here who bet, <coughs> but we talk about a safe bet or a safe estimate, um, you know, something that you can be sure of. A safe estimate is one that is, uh, you know, grounded in previous experience, for example, or the word of someone that you can count on, not some flim-flam contractor who tells you it's going to be this low price and then when you get the bill it's a high price that's you know so it's a safe estimate to say that that I will finish more or less on time and you will all get to go home and, ha and be eating lunch by two o'clock that's that's a safe estimate now you all laughed and that makes me nervous because that Oh, it, take, it takes you longer to prepare lunch than that. Is, that. is that it? I don't know. But anyway, so safe. That's what safe is. But saved is a little different because saved is a verb. Save, to save is a verb. It's not an adjective. It doesn't describe your condition. It's a verb. But there's some action involved. And uh, <laughs> so here are some ways that we use the word save. Uh, it's to rescue somebody from a dangerous situation. Uh, for example, we talk about to save someone from falling. And, and those of you who are parents of little children or you've observed parents of little children, you know that they, they often, as the child is learning to walk, will just be following along a step behind. So if that little one starts to go down, they can grab them and save them from falling. The same thing happens at the other end of life, by the way, when the children are walking alongside their feeble parents. And I'm not quite there yet, but I'm getting there. Uh, and you, you see children walking along beside their frail parent, uh, ready to catch them if they start to fall. So we save people from, from that kind of a thing. Uh, it also means to, to preserve or to safeguard. So we might say that we, we want to save youth from life on the street. So we might do something like, oh, run a soccer clinic for kids, just as an idea. All right? So we... We save people in that sense. Um, 
we could talk about saving something from being lost or destroyed. Uh, <laughs> a game, you know? Let's, let's make it baseball, because like, everybody's thinking about soccer today. So, so let's think about baseball. You know, it's the, it's the bottom of the ninth, and, and the, the team is uh, your team is up to bat, and you're one run short. And, and you hit a home run, a two-run homer, and suddenly your team wins. You saved the game. Good for you. You're a hero. So we, we use it that way. Also, you see, saved is kind of complicated. There's all kinds of ways that we use the word saved. Um, I'm a woodworker. <coughs> At least I pretend to be a woodworker. I like to make stuff. And I, sa- I will always save my scraps. When I'm making a bigger project, I save the scraps. Uh, maybe you're a seamstress, and you save the bits of cloth because you're going to make a quilt with all those little pieces of cloth. I like to make little things, like, say, Christmas ornaments or something, and little scraps of wood that really would be not useful otherwise. Or, um, hey, um, we live on a farm, and we do some gardening, and so last year, I saved some bean seeds. I saved them with a purpose. My purpose was to plant them this year. I planted them this year, and guess what? They came up, and they're actually flowering now. So there's, there's prospect, the prospect of more beans this year from the beans that I saved last time. Or we talk about uh, saving, saving leftovers. <laughs> you have a big feast, and there's some food left over. So you save that. You save it with a purpose. You have a goal in mind. I don't have to cook tomorrow because I'm going to have leftovers from last night. So these are all ways that we say, we use the word save. Now, when it comes to spiritually, it's Jesus who does the saving. We are the objects. We are the recipients of the salvation he offers. And he saves us in all of those ways. I'm not going to take time to explain that all to you. I assume you're relatively intelligent people and you can figure it out. But being safe implies a a passive state. It doesn't take any action to be safe. You can be safe and just carry on. It doesn't affect your life very much. The fact that you're safe, you live in a safe country, you just sort of roll along doing what what you do, right? But being saved actually implies a state of activity. And if you are a believer in Jesus this morning, you are saved, then there needs to be some activity going on. (coughs) Excuse me. There's something happening. If you are a believer, it affects everything. Being safe affects virtually nothing. Being saved affects everything. It affects your family life. It affects your work life. It affects your school life. It affects your life in the community. It affects your leisure life. It affects your sex life. It affects everything about your personal life. The salvation that Jesus offers makes a difference. When you believe, all of those things are included. Now, there's a fact that that Scripture talks about a process of being saved. Let me give you some verses um, just to, you know, let you know that I'm not making this stuff up. 
1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. <clears throat> so there is a sense in which you can say you are saved, but there's also a sense in which you are being saved. As you sit here now, you are being saved. It's a good thing. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2. Now I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Jesus is saving us now. You are being saved. How about uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, Corinthians 2.15? says we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. When you become a believer, you take on the fragrance of Jesus. And so whether you're dealing with your brothers and sisters in Christ or whether you're dealing with people in the world, there is a sense in which they can detect the presence of Jesus. You just have this aura, this aroma, this fragrance there's something different about you well there needs to be because you're being saved there's activity happening now some of you may not be familiar with this concept that your salvation is an ongoing thing these verses strongly suggest it you might think of verses like John 3:16, which seems to say that hey you know you just get saved and then that's that and and and, and you're done well John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his son, his unique, his only, his begotten, however you want to put it, which translation you use, son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Believes, notice, is in the present tense. And if you look at the Greek word, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I, I do have some tools to help me. The Greek word is a participle there. So it could be translated that whoever is believing shall not perish but have everlasting life. So you're believing now. And it ought to be affecting your life. All those areas of your life that I talked about ought to be affected because you are being saved now. You are believing now. So this is an ongoing thing. I'm believing today, and so it affects my life. I, I'm as sure as I can be of anything that if I were not believing today, I would not be here talking to you about this. I just wouldn't. I mean, there are lots of other things I'd be doing, but probably talking to you about this would not, would not be happening if I were not believing today. And here's another interesting thing. My, the assurance of salvation that I have is not rooted in something that happened 57 years ago. And I know that many of you find that hard to believe. You can't imagine that I even existed 57 years ago, but it's true. I, I began to believe 57 years ago this year. But my assurance of salvation, if you were to say, how do you, how do you know you're a Christian? I wouldn't point you back to a, to a night when I began to believe, it, I'm, I'm sure I'm a Christian today. I'm sure I'm saved because I'm believing today. 
And if all you have got for assurance is to look back to some date, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago, hmm, you, you haven't grasped the whole thing. See, being saved, that active aspect of it, involves some things. And we don't always think about this. You see, being saved involves getting victory over sin. Do you remember what the angel said to Mary? He said, call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, we like to think, and we often supply some words in there, that, that Jesus came to save us from the penalty of our sin. Well, yes, he, he does save us from the penalty of our sin. We will not have to suffer what, <clears throat> what Paul, excuse me, <clears throat> what Paul called eternal destruction when he wrote to the Thessalonians. We will not have to suffer that because Jesus died for us. So he took care of that. But uh, there is a sense in which we, we need to be getting victory over our sin day by day, moment by moment. It's not just that we get saved from the penalty of a sin. We're saved from the sin itself. Uh, surely you would understand that, that being saved doesn't just mean that you get forgiveness for sin that you run along merrily doing over and over again. You know, God wants us to be saved from our sin. And for that reason... He gave us some resources. We already read it. This is the, the verse that I'm going to highlight from the reading that Daniel did for us. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And that's an interesting little triad. Power, love, and self-control. In power, we have the resource. In love, we have the motivation. And in self-control, we have the result. And what's, what's the point? Is What do you need power for? We need power, God's power, to overcome sin in our lives. There are other verses which we won't take time to look at, which talk about the power that God gives us. Why would God give us power if it weren't for us to use? You know that you can't beat sin on your own. You know you need God's power to do that. And he says here that he does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind or self-control, depending on the translation you're looking at. Um, interesting that it says he does not give us a spirit of fear. You see, that's, that's for people who want to be safe. Ooh, there's risk. I want to be safe. God save me. Make me safe. That's the way we often think about it. Um, there's also the uh, the mat <coughs> excuse me. There's also the matter of uh, of being saved, which contrasts sharply with being safe. So we might be afraid of change. We might be afraid of risk. Who knows what the fears are? That's not, those are not the kinds of things God gives us. He gives us power. He gives us his resource. He gives us love, his motivation. And he gives us a sound mind or self-control, which is the result. I don't know if any of you have ever watched um, 
these mostly American, but all countries do them. They have recruitment commercials to get people to join the military. Have you ever seen any of these? There are some, uh, they, they appeal to different things that people have, like a sense of adventure. You know, do you like excitement and adventure? Join the military and we'll give you excitement and adventure. One that I, I, I noticed a while ago, um, it, it was see the world. You, you might like to travel, you want to see the world? Join the military, we'll show you the world. And I thought, well, <coughs> that's only part of the story, folks. <coughs> because what happens in the mind of a person watching that commercial, they might be thinking they're signing up for a cruise. And it's a big shock to them when they show up. It happened to be a Navy commercial. <coughs> when, um, when they show up and they're handed a weapon and a, and a 60-pound pack they've got to carry on their back and they get to do something exciting called basic training. And they go, ho, ho, hold on. I signed up to see the world. I don't know what I need this stuff for. Well, some of you may have responded, thank you. What a thoughtful man. Yeah. <clears throat> Some of you may have heard a gospel presentation which only went like this. Would you like to go to heaven when you die? Do you want to be safe for eternity? Then believe in Jesus. Well, that's only part of the gospel, folks. That's not what being saved is about. It's part of what it's about, but it's not all of what it's about. <clears throat> God offers safety, yes, but he also offers you power to do things. You see, he saved you for a purpose, just like I kept my bean seeds last year, and now I've got new beans growing this year. God saved you. Part of the reason God saved you was so you would be fruitful. So that there would be new lives coming to him this year because he saved you last year. And remember, he's going on saving you all the time. This is an ongoing process. So really, what I'd like you to do this morning is think about this. You may have thought that your salvation was just about being safe. Because that's what, maybe that's the presentation you heard. Be safe. Jesus will, will save you in that sense. Make you safe for eternity. I'm the guy at the recruitment office who's got the weapon and the backpack, and I'm handing them to you this morning and saying, go, be fruitful. You didn't just believe in Jesus to be safe. There's way more to the package than just being safe for eternity. God saved you for, for purposes, plural. He saved you to overcome sin in your life. You don't have to be that same selfish, greedy, harsh, arrogant, conceited person that you once were. You know, some people... You know, they, they don't change. There's no change goes on. They're just the same old person doing the same old stuff, except now they feel safe. Well, 
that's an odd thought, isn't it? See, God wants to do things in us. He wants to make us more like Jesus. He wants to give us power over sin. He wants us to bear fruit. These are all aspects of what our salvation is all about. It's all part of being saved. So please, two things. You're supposed to ask yourself a question later this week. Did you sign up to be safe or did you sign up to be saved? Understanding that being saved includes being safe. But being safe, if that's all you signed up for, I think you need to think about that. Okay? Okay?